The scripture tonight comes from Luke 24, um, Luke 24, 50 through 53. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. This is the word of the Lord. If we were going to make a, a movie of the Christian story, uh, I think the natural place we'd think about ending it would be the resurrection. That's a great place to, to roll the credits and have the, the blaring music playing. And often when we think of uh, the Christian story, we think of that as kind of the high point, the climax, when everything's kind of wrapped up. And that's Easter's kind of our big day, and then it's kind of um, slows down from there. But actually, if all we had was Easter, our story would be incomplete. If Jesus did not ascend back to God's presence after rising from the dead, if he somehow lived to be 80 and then died and was put in a cave in Syria somewhere, uh, we would have a very different faith, very different faith. And so the ascension, which we remember tonight, is a very, very important part of our story. So let's think about it a little bit together. Then he led them out as far as Bethany. This is a time of tremendous transition for uh, the Jesus community. He's moving from being with them in person to being with them in the presence of the Spirit. And what do leaders do in times of transition? Maybe you're in a transition tonight. Uh, a lot of times we call this a liminal space, that place where you're kind of in between where you were and where you're going. That's very much where the disciples are tonight. And I just think it's interesting that the Lord is still leading. Leaders lead in times of transition. And if you were leading through a transition space tonight, from one season to another, lead. Lifting up his hands, he blessed them, and while he blessed them, he parted from them. That's a very interesting phrase. It's, he says, while he blessed them, he parted from them. In the act of his blessing, even before he could finish it, he was taken up. I think what you have there is like a little picture of the whole gospel. Because the posture of the Lord towards his children in the last act that he had on earth was what? Blessing. Now these guys had earned it. They'd really behaved flawlessly and were ready for sainthood, right? So, <laughs> no, they were knuckleheads. Think how different. I mean, I think some of us live as if it says something like this. While Jesus was lecturing them, he departed. 
While Jesus was reminding them of their failures this week, <laughs> he departed. While Jesus was checking his phone, guys, I got to get this, uh, he, he, he departed. No. He lives in a posture of blessing towards his children. That really is the gospel. Do you believe that? I hope you believe that. You know, it strikes me that we spend a lot of our time trying to earn love when the gospel is that having been loved, we can then live our beautiful life in the world. I was with a young lady a while ago, and she'd just tell me about her dad and her mom and her sister. She just was very loved. And as I got to know her a little bit better, I just, there was this wonderful freedom about her life. There was a risk, the freedom to take risks, the freedom to fail. There was joy. And after a while, I realized she's beloved. When you feel beloved, you can be who you really are. Do you feel beloved? You know, Pentecost is next week. And so one of the things that we're, we'll, we'll talk about is the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit that day. And you can read about it next too. And the Holy Spirit comes down. And it's a great chapter. This would be a good movie. I mean, you got people speaking in tongues and witnessing and thousands of people getting saved. And, and you know, I'd, I'd be glad if that happened next week, thousands of people coming to faith. But after a number of years of thinking about the baptism of the Spirit, praying for a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, here, here's what I've learned. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes in power upon his children, they feel love. That's really the core of it. When, when you really encounter Jesus, you feel loved. It strikes me, too, that this is not a bad way to think about our posture towards others. While he blessed them, what if that was sort of the, the posture of my life towards you? What if every time you had an encounter with me, you, you felt blessed? Even if it was a hard conversation that somehow you felt He's for me. He forgives me. He believes in me. He forgives me. Now, you know, I'm not going to do my social media rant. However, give me 30 seconds to point out that it is now much easier, as someone pointed out to me, to curse people. Because every time something goes online, I can, well, you know, this, what do you do now? I don't have a Facebook. You, you'll put like a mean face or something like that, or a frowny face, or a don't like face. Or if you go to a restaurant and you don't like it, you go to Gulp or something, and you, you, you say, hey, these guys are terrible. And, you know, 
We now have this culture of cursing. It's not gulp. What is it? Yelp. Yelp. <laughs> okay, my 30 seconds of uh, social media have exhausted my ignorance. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, I had a good conversation with a friend this week about some ways that I disappointed them. And I was meditating on this, and I thought, that's what they were saying. I needed you to bless me. And you didn't. So you might just think about your relationships right now and you know, the people that have disappointed you or hurt you or whatever. You know, what would it look like? You, maybe they really did, and you've got some hard conversations ahead. What does it look like to take a posture of blessing towards people that have, that have hurt us? And if you still have a mother, it just occurred to me this I haven't had a mom in 12 years. Uh, and when she was alive, I don't think I did as good a job of blessing her. As I, as I wish that I had. So if you still have one, you still got five hours. And um, Brian, has Hunter called mom yet? Good. Okay, good. <laughs> so we were still managing the family, getting everybody in under the under the line. So <laughs> okay. He parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. I love verbs. Verbs are my friend. And one of the things that I love about verbs is they teach so much good theology. Jesus was carried up into heaven. What does that mean? He couldn't do it himself. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Lord of the universe, needed help. Wow. Misha, you need help? It's okay. It's okay. Even within the Trinity, the members of the Trinity have different roles and they need each other to pull the thing off. That is just crazy. A friend of mine's traveling in Latin America and he's sending pictures everywhere he goes and he was in this church and there was this picture of the Trinity uh, and it was actually very pretty and it had a, a bunch of Latin phrases in it and he said, could you translate this? And because it's about the simplest Latin on earth, I was able to. And it said... Um, uh, Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And that was a way that the ancient Christians talked about the Trinity. They, they, they wanted to show that these different personalities somehow were not the same and that they needed each other. I don't know about you, but I'm better at... I'd rather carry you than have you carry me. I feel better about myself. Um, so here's a homework assignment. Ask for help once this week. Why is that so hard to do? Now, I know there are some people, not in our church, I don't see you doing this, some people are asking for help too much, right? <laughs> it's like, all right, enough already. Um, no, you cannot have my truck. <laughs> but with us, I, I just feel like we don't like to do it. And, um, 
kind of a, a true confession here is my dear daughter is moving, and uh, she's got a nice little place she's moving to, and um, she's got this lovely bedroom set and bed, and and um, I've heard I, my back isn't what it used to be, and I've been thinking for two months. I should be able to move that bedroom set. And it's silly. I'm just so embarrassed. I have not wanted to ask anyone to help us move that bedroom set. Because I feel like I should be able to do it myself. <laughs> so, so, well, talk to me afterwards because I need help. So... <laughs> I'll buy donuts or something. And to me, that's so emasculating. I'll buy donuts. Well, you, well, you sweat and move my daughter's bedroom furniture. <laughs> but isn't that what it means to be the people of God? Is that when you need help, you ask for it? I, don't, I haven't lived in another culture. I don't know if other cultures are better at this than we are. God, I think we're just terrible at it. Help moving furniture, just helping our lives, just gosh, you know, being honest about our marriages and our jobs and even our faith questions. So that's your homework assignment. Would you ask for help this week? And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. <laughs> Now, they've come a long way from 40 days ago, right? They were a hot mess 40 days ago. <laughs> they were afraid and fighting and angry. And now he's disappearing. He goes to heaven. We don't know exactly what going to heaven means. You know, it, it, it's probably not a theme park north of Jupiter, um, it, it is probably another dimension of reality. Uh, that God takes us into, and Christ goes there. And they start to worship. Now, why are they worshiping him? Forty days ago, they were falling apart. What's happened? Well, later the church will reflect on the ascension, and and Paul will reflect on the ascension, and there'll be beautiful theology about what it says about Christ's lordship, his divinity, his sovereignty, his victory over Satan, all these beautiful things. I don't, these guys aren't the sharpest tacks in the box. I don't think they've figured that, I don't think they've got that yet. They love him, they know something good's happening. We've been talking a lot the last five weeks about this deconstruction, reconstruction project that goes on in our faith. We've said that the Emmaus walk is kind of a picture of how your faith can kind of come undone and unravel and be pulled apart. That often happens early in life, sometimes later in life. And we talked about a flannel graph and how at some point often you'll pull things off the graph and then eventually sort of put them back on. One of the things we learned from this is the disciples haven't put that much back on. They don't understand everything. So I don't think we think we need to think of a mature faith as a, I, I kind of got this all figured out. 
No. Well, let me say one other thing, too, and then we're, we're getting ready to, to, to wrap up. But um, This is the last time I think we're going to talk about the journey of faith in which you deconstruct and reconstruct. And we've talked about different reasons why that happens and the hard questions we come up with and the doubt and the confusion and, and all of that. But I also wanted to add, there's also a moral component to this. And, and, and here's what I mean. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, that means you ain't. And I think some, not always, sometimes when people say, you know, I'm really having a crisis of faith, or I'm really upset with the church about this, or I'm, I'm really mad about this, or I don't get this doctrine, I don't get this belief, some, not always, sometimes beneath that theological objection is a heart that says, I don't want to surrender my life to someone who's higher. As a matter of fact, there's some stuff I want to explore in my life right now that I really don't want a bunch of church people knowing about. And so I, I pick a fight with the church. Why were they so happy and worshipful? I think one reason was that they realized They'd never be alone. Jesus had this wonderful teaching, and you can find it in John 14, 15, 16, 17. It took place at the Last Supper, and he just lays out this beautiful promise that one day I will be with you in the Spirit. And I don't think they fully understood that, but I have this sense that when they went, when he went to heaven, they started to realize he is going to be with us. And, and, and I, I really think this is, we're getting real close to the essence of what it means to be a Christian right now. It is a belief that you're not alone in the universe. That's, that love is at the center of the universe and, and love is, wants to find you. That's, that's the essence of it. And that wherever you are, God is there and wants to be invited in to help you, wherever you are, whatever's happening. Not that he's causing all the bad things to happen, I'm not saying that, but that whatever's going on in your life right now, he's there. That's what the ascension means. I came across a prayer this week we'll end with that is really helpful at appropriating this truth, especially in times of anxiety. And if we can go to the first slide, it's called the welcoming prayer. And again, it's helpful in times of anxiety. And there's three things you can do. First, oh, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, thank you. Pay attention to your body. Gently become aware of your body and your interior state. So one of the things you might do is just stop, you know, for like three minutes and just, what do I feel right now? Um, and if you're like me, normally you don't really know. And so if you slow down and you stop and you realize 
my goodness, my chest is really tight, or my neck really hurts, uh, or my knee's throbbing. It's just a way to kind of slow down, dial in, because I don't have a chapter and verse for this, but I think this is true. Your body reflects what's going on in your heart and your soul. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? So start there. Second, welcome whatever is there. And I don't mean welcome evil or welcome cancer. That's not what we're saying. We're saying instead of throwing a tantrum, why did I get that email? Why is he such a jerk? Why did she say that? Why do I feel this way? Why am I depressed again? Ah, this is so frustrating. This is not the way I wanted the day to go. This is not the way I wanted my life to go. Instead of saying that, you welcome it. You welcome whatever situation you're in, whatever person is freaking you out, whatever fear that you have, and you just say, God, this is where I am today. You're here. Come on in. If this is where I am, this is what we're going to deal with together for your glory and my healing. I welcome it. In the, can you go back up one? Sorry. Um, so actually, let's do this. First, I want you to take one minute to check out your body. Just take one minute. Pay attention to your body. Okay. Now, the second step Let's pray this together out loud, and then we'll take a moment for you to do whatever personal work you want to do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me in this moment because I know it is for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. And again, I just want to point out, I'm not saying... Welcome cancer, welcome financial... Pr- I, I take it in, I love it, I'm so glad. This is all. That's not what I'm saying at all. What we're saying is, yes, it's bad, it's evil. It's frustrating, it may be wrong, it may be unjust, but God somehow is here. And he wants to be present with you in the midst of it to do something good. So take a moment and work through the second part of the prayer. Okay, last of all, let go. Let's pray this together. I let go of my desire for security. I let go of my desire for approval. I let go of my desire for control. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action and grace within. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I want to change this. This is wrong. We're not saying don't work for change. We're not saying don't address injustice. That's not what this is about. What we are saying is, at this moment, you are powerless. that is a really, really important spiritual truth. You do not have the power to change anything. 
any person, any situation. And if all of your energy is about changing that, you're going to be a very bitter person. God is the one that protects us. God is the one that changes us. God is the one that transforms. So many times in conversations, it'll go along, and what it's about is, hey, can you help me change Fred? No. And I honestly think getting to that point of saying, I cannot change this situation. I am powerless over my cancer. I am powerless over my depression. I'm powerless over this relationship. It's so freeing. And it moves you into such a wonderful place with God. So take a moment now. Let go.